Welcome into OESA's Automotive Insiders, presented by SAP. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Happy to announce that I will be with you today and into 2022. I'm proud to announce a new partnership. Our two groups are coming together to launch a series of podcasts that will continue into next year. Some of you may know me as the former publisher of Automotive News. I'm now president of Automotive Consultancy Motor Minds, as well as host of Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Channel 132 and all podcast platforms. So stay tuned for more from OESA coming forward. We'll start with a series of conversations with a number of guests launching here today. And of course, we're taping on location at OESA's Automotive Supplier Conference Beyond Disruption. And our first guest today is Joe McCabe, President and CEO of Auto Forecast Solutions. Joe, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jason. My pleasure. And joining me, of course, from SAP is Bill Newman, who serves as North American Executive Industry Advisor Chief at SAP. And Bill will provide his own analysis and insights here today. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for having me, Jason. So, Joe, let's start with you. Uh, not that there's anything going on in the auto industry on a regular day, but of course what we've been dealing with over the course of the last two years, and now more specifically here in the back half of this year. Where are we today from your own estimate as it relates to uh, the burning issues of semiconductors and a lot of other um, uh, pertinent uh, challenges that are on the table, and where will we be, say, over the course of the next six to 12 months? What's on your mind? Yeah, great question. I mean, we've been doing a weekly analysis of the semiconductor, semiconductor impacts uh, across the whole globe. Uh, the possibly good news is we're seeing a little bit of recovery. The sales are coming up slightly on vehicles. We're seeing some production numbers come in uh, higher than we thought for our forecasting. What we do is we look at every single vehicle built worldwide down the plant level. If we take your announcement, we can calculate the impact of volume. Unfortunately, the bad news is we've seen nearly 5.5 million units of volume completely ripped out of the global automotive market, not going to be recoverable. Uh, we are forecasting that number could go upwards of over 10 million if we don't come out of this soon. We are calling for a uh, mid to Q3 recovery next year, but I think we've sort of reached sort of our bottom, and I think we're going to start seeing some little momentum, not hockey stick momentum per se, but a little bit of uh, you know a silver lining for the end of the year of things coming through. Yeah, I think just to comment on that and uh, good good oversight, Joe. You know, when we're working with our OESA partners and, and suppliers in the in the space, um, we're seeing that there's actually quite a bit of good work that they're doing to manage their own downstream value chain. But coming back to what you were saying, Joe, it's all about being able to put their product into available vehicles. And I think we've kind of seen this uh, this rolling available vehicle being managed up until a point, and now we're at a place where you're getting some suppliers that maybe aren't going to have three to four weeks of available vehicles to put their product into. They're managing their business just fine, but because we're coming into the Q4 period, there's no flex, there's no summer shutdown to flex on that, and they're just basically going to take a hit of three to four weeks of uh, at least revenue from one or more product families. So that's what we're really kind of gauging to see how the year shapes up, but to your point, I do think that we're on the bottom and we're starting to work our way back up with some of the critical shortages, and not just semiconductors, right? They're all the components that are impacted. Agreed. A lot of conversation at this event and in general about the switch to electrification, and I know that you and your team have been watching it extremely closely. Um, is the consumer ready? And even if they're not, what's going to happen? 
Yeah, um, you know, we're uh, we're more realist, realist than uh, optimist, let's call them, or futurists. Uh, we, we've seen this, you know, I've been doing this for nearly three decades. We've seen the pitfalls of the industry, the plus and the minuses. We don't see a line of people waiting for their EVs. I mean, Tesla, if you take Tesla out of the mix, there's very, very few to pick from. We are, though, we are, though we're not in a non-EV world ever again. We are going to see EVs as part of our future. We just think it's more, more of a symbiotic relationship rather than a light switch moment. And it's going to take 10, 20 years. So we're telling our customers who are in the powertrain business, is, you know, don't go jump off a bridge quite yet. We're going to have a very tight market of both ICs and EVs coming. A lot of new players. But those new players create a disruption, right? They don't know how to build a vehicle yet. And what we're telling our suppliers are, be proactive. Talk to them. You have a lot of people that have SPAC money, they have an idea and a dream, and they don't know how to build a vehicle. So if you're a supplier and you can help them at any part of the supply chain, don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and say, I can help you hit this market because I've been doing this for 10, 20, 50 years. Well, uh, probably three three big takeaways that we're seeing in terms of the EV transition. So to Joe, your point, changing your operating model from a low volume platform maker to a high volume vehicle maker, that's just night and day. You, you don't have to look much further than the Tesla experience when they went from the Model S to the Model 3. It's just a completely different operating model. And I think that is, as, as startups move to higher volume, they're going to go through some pretty significant growing pains. Matching that off to the passenger segment space with the commercial vehicle space, that's going to be interesting because we see where the tip may happen first is in the transportation of goods, given the, the drastic uh, shortage of drivers currently in North America, particularly in, in making those autonomous moves in and electrified moves, maybe with hydrogen versus battery solid state in commercial vehicle. The big question there is whether or not you're going to be comfortable seeing a driverless uh, Class A vehicle rolling down I-80 in the middle of Calabrasca. I'm not sure we're ready for yes, that. I agree. That, yeah. 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 The optics of the whole situation is, is interesting. Um, the idea is that, you know, years ago we were told, hey, hydrogen was going to be the solution. It wasn't ready. I truly think my paper hydrogen is the best solution, right? That is where, on you know, you can use a smaller battery, you crack the hydrogen out of water, so many positives to it. Unfortunately, people think they're driving on a, on a Hindenburg and they want to get that optics out of it, right? Yeah. But real quick to your point of the uh, volume play, you have new players in here that are going to produce less volume and still be successful rather than filling a 250,000 unit plant, and that's troublesome for suppliers because they're used to volume as basically their way of making money. Well, and just, just one more point on that, because I think that was, you, you read my mind in terms of, of where I was heading. Being the biggest company doesn't make you the most successful company. It's not a revenue play in at least passenger vehicles anymore. Dealerships and passenger vehicles are making more money selling fewer vehicles right now. And that's a paradigm shift that I really don't think that people are going to be able, as we heard a, as we heard our keynote say today, unscramble that egg, right? That's out there and you have to figure out what you're going to do for your company moving forward new product lines where you can make products at a high margin. That's really good business in automotive or anywhere. So I think being able to really step back and rethink where we put our precious investment dollars from an R&D perspective is really going to be a paramount moving forward. Final thing, speaking of precious investment dollars, pre-COVID, I think back to the uh, Frankfurt Auto Show 
in the fall of 19. And there were a lot of proclamations around autonomous that were then backed off. There, there was the, the statement that uh, these um, uh, business cases didn't make sense anymore. And so you saw that shift away from it. COVID happens. And then, of course, uh, you know, the brake pedal is absolutely applied. Where are we on autonomous technology? And where do you see the future there, Joe? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to get there eventually. I mean, you know, the different scales of autonomy, you can argue that lane departure and, and the sensing is in cars now is some level of autonomy. I think what's going to happen is that we got to feel, we got to get people more involved with that EV story. Autonomy is the next logical conversation. The future is not a bunch of V8 or V6 or even inline four purely autonomous vehicles. I don't see 20 years from now, if you're going to have an autonomous vehicle, it's going to be pure, pure electric. So there's a sort of a chicken and the egg coming in. But if you can add the idea of more and more safety, eventually pulling the driver experience away, uh, I think that's going to be the long, long play. I think there's going to be a steering wheel involved for a very long time. Uh, but if you can you know, save a bunch more lives with autonomy, it's great. I just think the EV play is going to be much more focused today because that's where the money is. Bill, final thoughts from you? Yeah, just level five autonomy is still a ways away, but I hearken back to the fact that our technology is for the most part there because we're operating millions of vehicle miles every day in the metaverse right now. So I think really what it's going to come down to is consumer preference. And are you really going to be satisfied with active lane assist if you've actually driven a, a level four autonomous vehicle that gives you that semi-autonomous uh, or nearly full autonomous driver experience? Bill Newman, Joe McCabe, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you.